Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Chloe Elise. Chloe is the CEO and founder of Deeper Than Money. She is a certified financial coach, and she is here to give us all the financial wisdom, tips, love that we need. Thanks for being here, Chloe. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about money. Oh my God, the thing we all love and hate at the same time. I'm so excited. (laughs) Brendan, I definitely need help in this area. We need you. We absolutely need you. This is a very selfish episode. (laughs) I love it. So um, before we get into all the money of it, Chloe, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are. For sure. So I'm Chloe Lease. I'm the CEO and founder of Deeper Than Money, which is a global financial literacy company. I'm 25 years old. Um, A little bit about me. I was your, I grew up in small town, Iowa. I live in Kansas city now, but I really grew up with this work ethic of, or this mindset of you have to work really hard for money. And so that is all I knew about money. I knew you didn't talk about it and you're supposed to work really hard for it. And so I had a lot of jobs from like, I had my first job at 14 and then I worked full-time the summers and part-time in the school year like my whole life growing up in high school and college. Um, and I always would, would work really hard, but have nothing to show for it. Work really hard, have nothing to show for it, not talk about money, also be stressed about money. And that was just the cycle for me. And I thought that's just how it was. And then I got to college, same thing. I mean, and I was struggling, like I was donating plasma to pay for groceries and just really didn't, I knew nothing about money. Didn't know what a credit score was, didn't know how much debt I was in. I had no clue. And I finally kind of hit this breaking point where a lot of my friends who their parents were paying for their college, they were going out and having fun and I was missing it to work but then I had nothing to show for it. So I'm like, I might as well be broke and have fun. If I'm going to be broke and missing out on things, like what's the point of that? (laughs) And so I would have these meltdowns like time and time again. And then I went through a breakup. And as I'm sure like everyone can relate to this, you go through a breakup. You're like, I want to like cut all my hair off and like change my name and move, like do all these things. And I was just like, I have to do something different. Like I have to be in control of my life in some area. And the thing that I randomly like latched onto was money. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I like went to the library and was like checking out finance books and like just doing all the things you shouldn't do because it was just the worst. (laughs) And basically, long story short, taught myself how to get ahead with money. And I also went through a lot of like the, at the time, the like financial gurus then. And I was like, this is like, this isn't work. This is not sustainable. This is not fun. A lot of the financial gurus were like, never go out to eat until you're debt free. I'm like, I make $7 an hour. How am I supposed to ever be debt free? Yeah. I'm like, I make $7 an hour and I'm 19 or I'm 20 or whatever. I'm just supposed to like not ever go out in college until I'm debt free. Like it didn't make sense. Yeah. Like in your, in your twenties, it just didn't make sense. And so long story short, I figured out my own way to do it. I was able to pay off $36,000 of debt in 18 months. I'm um, starting in college, like six months of that. I was in college, um, got a big girl job and you know, that obviously escalated how quickly I was able to pay off debt. And it really changed everything for me to go in 18 months from a girl who 
had nothing to her name, overdrafted on her checking account every other week to being completely debt-free, negotiating her salary, like doing all these really empowering things in such a short amount of time without sacrificing the things I loved. And so it changed everything for me. And I was like, I have to show other people how to do this. And that's really where that like mission and that kind of landed on my heart of like, I have to go out and, and tell people about this. And so that's where Deeper Than Money was born. And my, you know, our mission is of course, to help people get ahead with finances, but the, the title of deeper than money really comes from, it's not just about getting ahead with debt or investing or whatever. It's about your relationship with money and about using money as a tool to fuel the things that you care about instead of just like, I'm going to sacrifice the things I love in order to get ahead with money. So that's our mission and a little bit about my story. Wow. That's so powerful. I feel like I already have so many thoughts, but just everything that you said about money in general, I feel like it's so taboo. We want it, but then we're like afraid to spend it, but then we spend too much of it. We're on this like extreme roller coaster of, you know, all or nothing. Uh, We budget for a little bit and then we stop and, you know, then we think we failed. Like there's all these different directions that we could go in, but I just love the way that you view it and the way that you're teaching other people to view money, because I think so often we can be obsessed with it, scared of it, unsure what to do with it. So I'm really excited to continue diving into all this stuff. I think before we get into that, Brenda, I also think there's the kind of this like deep rooted association with money being this like belonging to like old white men. And like, it's like just really wonderful to see like a young, vibrant, fun woman making money feel like accessible and fun and and something that we can take control of and have power over because like even though I don't believe that anymore there's these deep-rooted beliefs that like we subconsciously ascribe to and it's just wonderful to see kind of the the face of that changed with you Chloe so it's it's oh my gosh thank you and and that's the big things that I want is I want women to have a seat at the table talking about money like I talk about this all the time but when I am with my fiance and like his guy friends or um you know just with like some of our guy friends or like some of his like when he was in a corporate job like his coworker male coworkers we talk about money all the time we they'd be like oh you're the money girl let's talk about this or what do you think about you know this investment or blah 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 but I don't talk that much with my girlfriends about it. Like if I bring it up and like force feed my friends to talk about it, sure. But like when I'm at brunch with my girlfriends, money's the last thing we talk about. And so, um, again, I want it to be more of a topic that we claim is like, no, this gets to be feminine. Like this gets to be something that isn't, not only is it not scary, but it's also just not taboo or difficult. Like it's just part of everything. Like it's just, it, it's just what we want to bring up. Just like who, who we're dating or, um, you know, what skincare we're using or whatever. Like, it's just another thing. It's just a part of us. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this topic. Um, so I guess to start somewhere, what would you say is like, when it comes to budgeting, I feel like the idea of budgeting is like so icky (laughs) for some reason, um, because you're, I think it's partially to the fear of holding yourself accountable to something that you're worried you won't stick to because you have evidence that in the past you don't myself included. Um, so what would be your number one tip for people that are hesitating to start budgeting? For sure. So I, 
the two things I hear is like, how do I start budgeting or budgets don't work for me? Like those are like the two top things I hear. And, um, a budget isn't supposed to like, you're not supposed to fit into a budget. A budget is supposed to fit into your life. And a lot of times, especially for the people who say like, Oh, a budget doesn't work for me. I'm like, Oh, show me your budget. And I see it. And and the budget says like rent food and, and, uh, like, I don't know, paying for my healthcare. And I'm like, okay, cool. Is that literally all you do in a month? And they're like, well, no, I go out with my friends. I do this. And so like, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you're not planning for it. You're, you're not allowing yourself to have any fun. If that was my budget, I would hate it too. If that was my budget, I would literally fail every single month too. And like, personally, I call it a spend plan instead of a budget, because I also think budgets sound just like annoying and restrictive. Whereas I think of it as I'm planning my spending. I'm literally just being like, this is how I want to, I want to spend. I'm being intentional with my money. And I'm also not restrictive at, at all. Um, one of the coolest parts, um, and actually one more thing about budgeting is this is a huge misconception. Two of the biggest misconceptions with budgeting. The first one is I have to hit my budget. Like the only thing that matters is if I plan $200, of shopping that I spend only $200. And then what happens is that all we care about is hitting that metric. We don't care about, is this an aligned purchase? Is this something that I actually want? Is this something that I actually want to spend my money on? And so for me, for a long time, I would be in like TJ Maxx or something, even when I did add like shopping to my budget. And I would say, okay, I have $200 to spend this month. Like, uh, what do I want to buy? And then I would buy these things that I'd come home and I'm like, I don't even like this stuff. I don't even, it doesn't even fit me. Like, I don't even actually love it. Or I'd be like, I can only spend 200. So I'd only go to the sale price and buy things that like weren't high quality that like ended up ripping that I didn't love. And so again, those things, sure. They like hit my budget, but they weren't in alignment. And I think we put way too much pressure on like hitting the budget and like being in alignment with the budget and instead should put way more focus on, is this a purchase that aligns with me? And so again, I absolutely set goals for like, here's how much I want to spend or here's how much I want to do that. But I don't have any weird vibes if I'm under it or over it. I don't care. But what because what I care about is spending in alignment with what I want and my priorities, not hitting that, that exact metric. So that's the first thing that I think is really just misrepresented. The second thing is that all, like your budget should be the same every month. It is like the biggest, just is such crap because think about it. Think how different your months are, right? Like think about like December. If you you celebrate Christmas, if you, um, I have a couple of friends that have birthdays, you might be traveling, you're buying Christmas decor, you're doing all those things. And then think of like June, right? Think of like this month. Like those months are so vastly different. In June, I might be um, going on a vacation or I might be, you know, I actually don't have that much spending in June. Exactly. But in December, I'm doing way more. So a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, December hits, I'm so over budget. It's like, no, you're not over budget. Your December budget is different than other months. That's okay. I don't want every month to look the same and like look the exact same. So why would my spending look the exact same? And so then there's this like deeper level of shame of like, oh, I didn't hit my budget goal. And this month I'm over. And it's like, you're not over it's different and that's okay. And so one of the big things I talk about when it comes to budgeting or spend tracking, whatever you want to call it is 
that one of the big things that you need to do every month is like calendar planning of like, what do I have coming up? Do I have vacations? Do I have weddings I need to buy a gift for? Do I have this? And making sure that goes, do I have an oil change, whatever, making sure that goes into what you're planning on spending instead of just having the skeleton that you try to hit month after month and like one month it might work, but the next month it doesn't because you have other expenses. And so those are two of like the big things, like the big principles that I see people just miss a little bit because we're not taught that all we're taught is make a budget and stick to it. And if you don't, you're a failure. Right. And so then we're like, Oh, this is restrictive. This sucks. I failed. Screw it. I'll try again next month. And then it's just this like vicious cycle. Yeah. That's so powerful. You just made me think about something that I think about all the time, actually, when it comes to like food and eating and stuff like that um, and workout plans and whatnot in terms of like discipline being freedom. And I think that it's so easy to look at something like a budget and being like, oh my God, if I don't stick to this, I fail, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is you don't fail in any capacity. If you keep on going and keep on adjusting and learning from what you're doing, it's not quite a failure, but planning and preparing for these situations that you're talking about. Like I probably wouldn't even think about an oil change and whatnot in advance, but it, it allows you to have more freedom in the way that you live your life because you're planning for these fun events versus restricting yourself from them. So it's, it's really interesting. I totally agree with like, it gives you that freedom in terms of like budgeting. Do you budget in, how do I phrase this? Like, do you, in your plan, do you often have your clients include like planning for saving as well month to month? And like, how does that change month to month? And how do people like start including that in their in their monthly plan? And is that always feasible for everybody right away? Yeah, for sure. So um, the biggest thing like for my clients is when they're starting, it's like so nitty gritty, right? They're like in their bank account, like really doing a deep dive, of like where their money's going and they're adding things up and it's like super intensive, right? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I tell them is you're gonna learn this. And then the goal is to spend less and less time in your budget. When I like sit down and budget, it maybe takes me five, 10 minutes a month where I'm just like, okay, cool. I want this. How did I do this? Blue, 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 blue. Awesome. Like that is because the, um, the, the budget, like this is, this is how I like to think of it. If I am, um, going to a friend's house who she just moved, I've never been there before. Right. I, as much as my mom has tried to like, get me to stop doing this since I was like, could drive. I use my GPS, right? I type it in and I like blindly go. Like I do not pull up a map. My mom, I'd be like 16. She'd be like, what highway are you going to get on? I'm like, mom, I have no clue. I'm going to type it in my phone. Where to go? I I have no idea, mom. Like, will it lead me astray at some point? Absolutely. But it's worth it. And so I'll type it in. I'm on the route. But if I actually take a wrong exit, what happens, right? My phone's like, beep, will beep, rerouting. That's the same thing with your budget, right? If you're planning things and, oh crap, I forgot about this. Instead of being like, screw it, I'm all right. It's like, oh no, no, rerouting. What do I need to change? What do I need to move around? Because my spend plan or budget works for me. I am not just trying to meet that and like, that's it. So that that's a big thing. It's like making sure that it, it's a constantly like flowing and moving thing. And we're going to start more nitty gritty and that it's going to continue to just be like this, this, um, like loose map for us. So that's the first thing when it comes to like, Hey, how am I going to save? What am I going to do? Another big misconception about money is that you can always be saving, right? This is something I feel like our parents' generation or grandparents' generation has like just brought home is like, always be saving, always save 10%, always do this. And it's like, actually, you don't 
always have to be saving. Like you should be saving for something. Um, because a lot of times if, if you don't have something to be saving for, you don't want your money to just sit in savings. It's probably better for that to be invested. So it's, you don't always just like have to be saving money. Um, but so before we figure out like, Hey, should you be saving? Should you not? The first thing my clients will do is to create a priority list. So this is, this can be the top, whatever, five to 10 things that is like the biggest goal that would basically be like, Hey, if I gave you $5,000, what would you do with it? That, you know, maybe the first thing is you would pay for a vacation that you have coming up this summer. The second thing is that you would start an, and grow an emergency fund. The third thing is that you would pay off that credit card debt. The fourth thing is that you would maybe pay for a new car, like buy a new car or something. So you create this priority list. And then what we'll do is we'll go over it and see, okay, is this in the right order? Um, are there any things that we need to switch? So like, um, for example, an emergency fund, I recommend everyone has an emergency fund. Um, and so we want that to be as close to the top as possible, but there can be other things. Maybe somebody says, oh, I'm going to pay off my student loans and then my credit card debt. And so we'll talk about that and say, you know what? The credit card debt is super high interest. Let's tackle that first and then tackle student loans. So there's definitely some strategy in there, but it's also your priorities. It's things you care about doing in what order. So then the goal is whatever is priority one, we're going to kind of forget about priorities two through five or two through 10. And we're going to focus on priority one. So every single month we're going to create our budget and say, okay, I'm going to plan for, you know, shopping. I'm going to have money for eating out. I'm going to have money for all of these things that I'm actually doing this month. And then what's left over, whatever's left over is going to go toward whatever priority number one is that could be saving. That could also be, um, paying Venmoing your friends for the Airbnb for a vacation. Like it, it doesn't necessarily have to always be saving. Yeah. Like I always have to save 10% and then I'm going to do this. I would rather you just like continue to hit goals by focusing one at a time rather than be like, I have nine goals. So I'll put $10 towards each goal every month because then it takes forever to get there. So that's a little bit about how we kind of prioritize what that looks like, but also especially in the beginning, there might be a month where you don't have anything left over, right? You paid for a bunch of things. You, um, just cash flowed a couple like bigger expenses. And so you don't have anything to put towards a priority list. That's okay. Then the next month, how much do we have? We have $500. Cool. We'll put it towards priority one until that's taken care of. And we'll move on to priority two. Oh, it sounds like so much more freeing coming from your mouth than like ever before. Cause <laughs> I mean, it, it, you, obviously you have like such a talent and a passion for it, which makes it feel like so much more accessible, but it does, it, we have been ingrained with these things that like, you always need to be saving or you always need to be putting this much apart and like, blah, blah. And like Brenda said before, like, it feels like restrictive almost. And then we fail and then we get down on ourselves and then blah, blah. But to know it's like, okay, one thing at a time, just as you would do anything else in your life, like one thing at a time. And then like, eventually like that will be paid off. That will be paid off. You'll have things to, that you could start. Like, it feels like the gates can open up in a way. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. But you mentioned, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, and this is something I'm really curious about because I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but something I'm really curious about because I really have no knowledge of it. And I not really sure where to start for someone who has no knowledge about investing like a young woman in her 20s who is interested in maybe like starting to do very small investments because she's not making a lot of money yet or or there's other things that need to be paid off debts whatever what where what's like the direction that you would point 
me or Harin for someone who is curious about wanting to start investing or learn at least learning about where to start in a tangible, uh, digestible way? Because it can feel really overwhelming. Oh, totally. And honestly, I I always joke that I like can't dismantle the patriarchy like today, but I'm like working on it. Is that when it comes to investing, there's such an information barrier to entry. Yeah. It is confusing. It's so confusing. Yeah, it's so confusing. There's so many different terms. There's so little knowledge about it. And, And honestly, a lot of that stops people from jumping in. And so- Um, one, like my biggest advice is like release any shame or, um, just negative feelings you have about yourself of like, oh, it's too confusing for me. Or like, I could never get that. Or like, that's over my head. It's like, no, no, no. You just don't know yet. You haven't been taught yet. You haven't jumped in yet, but like you are fully capable or, you know, whoever's listening, like you are fully capable of being an investor, being an investor early and, locking in basically your millionaire status in your twenties, like before you even turn 30, which is so exciting, which is why, you know, when time's on your side, when you're starting to invest in your twenties, like what, that's one of the big things I work with on my clients is locking in their millionaire status, which basically means you have invested, you've invested enough where you, by the time you turn 60, if you never invested again, you'd, you'd be a millionaire. Like that's my goal. I want that. Um, I know. Isn't that so fun? It's it's just like peace of mind of knowing like, oh, if I never invest another dime after, you know, like after 30, I'd still be a millionaire. So imagine like when I am, um, which is super cool and I love it. But anyway, so when it comes to the basics of investing, the biggest thing to understand is the difference between um, investing in retirement accounts and investing outside of retirement accounts. And so that is one of the biggest like misconceptions. Mm-hmm. I will get questions all the time. Like Chloe, do I need to download Robinhood and like buy Bitcoin today? And I'm like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I don't crypto articles every day. I'm like, dad, I don't know. I, I know. And that would be, you know, that would be like somebody like walking up to you, uh, like a seven-year-old on the street and being like, Hey, are you ready to like go to space today? And the kid being like, I haven't even graduated like <laughs> elementary school, right? Like I'm, I am not an astronaut and I know nothing about it. Like what literally what? And, and then of course, when you are hit with all of this information, you're like, well, I'm behind and I'm stupid and I know nothing about this. And so therefore there's no point in me to start, right? That's like the narrative. And um, so anyway, so we need to like reel it back in and figure out, okay, what are the steps? So like, again, like I said, retirement, um, investing in retirement accounts versus investing outside of retirement accounts is a great place to start. Now, before we're thinking about that, if you are in a corporate job, one of the best places to start is getting your company match. So if your company offers any match on like a 401k, for example, taking advantage of that, there are lots of companies that say, Hey, if you put in 3% into your 401k, we will give you 3% every year. But if you don't put that 3% in, you don't get their 3%. And so if you miss two years of that, that's 3% over two years that you literally don't get because you didn't do that. Even if the third year you put in 3% and get that, you don't get to go back and get 
um, like more of their company match. And so that's one of the biggest things, free money, take advantage of it. And it's a great place to like dip your toes in. Then once you've like made sure you've taken advantage of the company match before going into like more investing, um, this is a great time to check in and say, do I have an emergency fund? Because when we're investing in retirement accounts, that's money that we want to put in and not touch until we are ready to retire until we're, you know, in our sixties, ready for like to go on a yacht and just like chill. And, um, and so because of that, we don't want to put money in there and then have nothing saved for an emergency. And all of a sudden it's like my car broke down. I have to take money out of my retirement account, pay taxes on it and pay penalties. We don't want to do that. So we want to make sure we have, um, some sort of an emergency fund. I recommend in the beginning, having one to three months of expenses. If you're like living with mom and dad at home, um, don't have many expenses. One month is fine. If you live by yourself and you have a dog to take care of or a kid, or, um, you know, you're doing a lot of traveling or you live in a big city, probably we want closer to three months. So kind of depends. We keep it in a high yield savings account. We can talk more about that. Um, but so we're kind of like walking through the process, like, okay, now I have my emergency fund. Then what, um, do you have any high interest credit card debt? Because when you're investing, let's say you're investing in your retirement accounts and just based on what we've seen in the market for the last, you know, basically since the market has been around, you will, you can expect with, when we adjust for inflation to see about a 7% growth on average, that's just like the base. Like if we're looking at like an index, okay, 7%. So think like plus 7%, all right, over the course of a year. Now, and there are going to be years that are different, but like, let's just say on average, plus 7%. If I have credit card debt and that credit card debt is at 27% interest rate, that means in a given year, I'm minus 27% on that credit card debt. So if we were to add these up, minus 27% plus 7%, we're still at a negative 20% loss, right? Which is why before we go and put money into retirement, we want to make sure we're tackling that high interest credit card debt, because if we're putting money into retirement instead, we're still operating at a loss. So that's when we want to make sure we've tackled high interest credit card debt. There are so many ways, like strategy wise that we can look at that, just like literally paying it off. You can look into doing a balance transfer. Um, There's so many other ways we can get into that um, if we have time later. So then we're tackling high interest credit card or high interest debt in general. Um, and you can look at high interest debt, anything over like, I mean, it depends, but like pretty much anything over like 10, 15%. And then maybe you have student loans that are at like 5% or 3%, then that's okay. We can still have those and start investing. We just want to make sure we tackle that high interest credit card debt before doing anything else. So we've done that. And now you're like, okay. I've done all those things. I'm ready to invest. Like, what do I do? So this is when it depends on if you are self-employed, if you work for a corporation, if your company offers any retirement, but another misconception is that, well, only some people have options for retirement accounts. No, that's not true. Self-employed people, you can have retirement accounts. If you are, um, um, like a 1099, there are options for you. If you are, if you own a business that has employees, there are options for you. It just depends on figuring out what the options are. I will say it like most of the time is easier for someone who is in a corporate job because it, it can be through your employer. And so it's already set up for you. It's just about you like typing in the numbers and saying like, here's what I want to do. Boom. And so here's where it's like, okay, so where do I put this money? 
right? So this is when we want to look at investing in retirement, back to my original point, versus investing outside of retirement. Now, a huge misconception is when somebody says, oh, I need to download Robinhood and buy Apple stock, right? When you do that in a non-retirement account, it's also called a taxable brokerage account. But again, that's just like fancy lingo. Think non-retirement account. I can just today, I could go into Robinhood, buy Apple stock, boom. When I do that, I'm paying taxes twice. I'm paying taxes because that money that I have to put in there, I've already paid taxes on that, right? Like when your money gets deposited into your paycheck, taxes have already come out. So I already paid taxes once. I put that money in. And then when I sell that, I pay taxes again. So I'm paying taxes twice on that money. If I were to instead invest in my retirement account, through your retirement account, you're still investing. So you can still be invested in Apple stock through your retirement account. But with retirement accounts, you only pay taxes one time. You either pay taxes in the beginning when you first put your money in, or you pay taxes down the road when you're 60. But either way, you're only paying taxes once. Whereas if I do the same exact thing outside of a retirement account, I pay taxes twice. So you might be thinking, why would anybody even do the other one? Why would you not just only do retirement? You can, you can literally be a multimillionaire by only putting money into your retirement accounts, especially if you're starting at 20. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. But retirement accounts have maxes where you can only put a certain amount per year. So like for a 401k or a Roth IRA, you can only put in a certain amount And then you can't put any money in outside of that. So we want to max out those investments before putting money into our non-retirement accounts. But when people are like, hey, I filled up retirement accounts. Now what? I, I still want to invest. Then it's a great opportunity for you to invest outside of retirement accounts in that, um, in like a non-taxable or a tax, sorry, a taxable brokerage account, AKA non-retirement accounts. So those things are awesome, but there's so much misinformation where people are like, just go do that. And it's like, why would I do that? If I can do the same thing in my retirement account and get a tax break. And it might not seem like a huge tax break now, but when you think of over the course of your life, how much that's going to save you in taxes, I mean, it's crazy. It can, it can be a half million dollars. I mean, it can be more than that. It, it's crazy. And so um, that's a great place to start when you're jumping into investments mm-hmm. is if you are employed through a company that has a 401k um, or like the, t- the two, like most, there are other options too, but the two most common options are a traditional 401k through work and a Roth IRA. So those two are great options to start, max those out. And then you can look at um, other options outside of that. If you are self-employed, have your own business. I highly recommend hiring a CPA and asking them. It's not that I'm like gatekeeping information. It truly depends on how your business is registered, what your profits are, what your revenue is, what state you live in, like all those things, what would be the best option for you? And then your CPA can let you know what that is and even help set that up for you. Um, And then you can start putting money into an an account just for you um, that's still a retirement account. Wow. it's like so amazing because me and Brenda and I, the other day we were talking about when, when we were talking about you, Chloe, we were like, you know, like 
skeptical, a little bit of like, why would I hire someone to like help me with my money when I'm trying to like save my money? And like, it is just so apparent why like it is such a good investment for your life to invest into someone that can really, that has the knowledge that can really help you figure out what the best plan of action for you is, because it's obviously going to be so different for every person, depending on like how you're employed, where you're employed, if you have your own company, blah, blah, blah. And like, it just, getting to speak to you completely shattered my skepticism because I'm like, absolutely. Everybody needs a financial (laughs) advisor. Like everybody needs a Chloe. Like uh, she doesn't have enough time to go around, but like find one. Like it's just, it's making so much, you, you completely shattered my skepticism. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's like skepticism too. I feel like it's just genuinely like we're, we're all it just feels backwards sometimes you're like oh but I'm trying to save money like shouldn't I not like spend money in in this area or this area so it's like it's so it's so fascinating but when you break it down in that way it makes so much sense as to why there are all these little pieces of information that like I kind of wish we were taught in school or something (laughs) Um, it's crazy like how many clients will come in especially to like I mean, we have like, we have so many like free resources. Like we have a thousand dollar challenge. It's like literally how to save a thousand dollars in three days. But we also have like higher ticket um, programs where it's like super intensive, super transformational. And we have so many people who same thing. They're like, well, why should I be paying this? I'm trying to do all these other things. And then they go through the program and literally their ROI is like 10 times that because when you don't understand all these things about money, it's costing you and you don't even realize it. Um, even just like the, the simple, this is like the simplest example, but like keeping your emergency fund in a high yield savings account versus at your normal bank. It's literally the exact, pretty much at a high level, the same thing as your normal savings. But when you keep it in a high yield savings, you make more money. And so, um, you know, right now interest rates are pretty low, but they will, you know, go back up again. And so, um, but even like pre-pandemic, my clients would be like, oh, I'm going to transfer money over. It'd be sitting in there and they'd make a couple hundred dollars every year just from that. And it's one of those things where it's like, money is such an infinite resource that we're trained to think if I spend money, that is negative towards me. But really when you're investing in learning this stuff and getting it, you can literally create money. Like you can create more money. And so it's like the high yield savings kind of such an easy example where, okay, let's say now from learning that one thing, you're going to make $300 every single year for the rest of your life, because we're going to keep our emergency in there. So let's say $300 times, I don't know, even like 40 years. Okay. That's $12,000 from learning one tiny tip about where to transfer your money, where it's going to sit there anyway, that now you just created out of thin air from doing that. And so, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, where it's like, it's truly an investment in yourself and an expense of like, I'm losing money. It's like, no, 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 you're putting this money on the table to get so, you know, so right. much more. That, like the payoff is so worth the price. Um, I'm like so inspired right now. Real. Yeah. And I feel like also in terms of like, I think especially now we're in a generation or phase where we're very much about instant gratification. So the idea of not only investing in someone to help you with your money feels like, oh my goodness, but then also putting money away for your future self years and years from now feels like, but you know, I could use that now to pay this off or pay this off. So for someone that's listening to the show right now and is like, you know, I have this debt or this debt to pay off. Why is it really worth me investing in myself 40 years from now? What would you say to them? Like, how would you kind of, I guess, redirect them to understanding the purpose behind that? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing that that we do at least is we make it like sexy to invest in yourself. Like we make it like hot and fun and just like such a turn on of like, hell yeah, I'm investing in my future. Like I can't wait. No, to I'm literally out. like wet from this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I am turned on by this. Right? I know. And like and that's I, the goal. Like that about saving. Before. No, truly. Like truly. Like that is the goal of like, how can we get like hot and heavy about investing in ourselves and like being a financial badass and like like I love, like, I think it's such a turn on like being the breadwinner or doing these other things. And those things used to be things where I was like, I'm so scared. And that just seems like this a lot. Like, yeah. but because of the mindset shift of being like, no, this is amazing. It's so empowering. It's so like, I feel so confident in money and like being able to provide for myself, like all of these things, it honestly um, like one of the, I think one of the coolest things we do is instead of being like, you should save, like, no, just do it. Like truly getting to the root cause of like, what, what feels weird about it for you and, and being able to free that up to where you're like, oh my God, like, of course I want to invest. Like, this is, why would I not? Like, this is so fun and exciting. Like that's the vibe. I love it. I love that. It makes all the difference. Seriously. I feel like our perspective, it, it changes everything. And I'm sure a lot of people, um, you know, we have associations and stuff with, with money, especially depending on how we're grow, how we grow up and what we're taught about it and what we're not, or maybe how we see people around us handling their money. Like I, I truly feel like I handle my money very similarly to my mom, just because of the way that I saw her handling hers, you know, and that's not to say for better or for worse in some capacities, it's both, but, um, it's so interesting that we really do. I guess, model after what we see. So being able to know that this is one of those things too, that you can gain education on and use that as your power and totally shift it. I think we sometimes worry that it's too late, like, oh, it's too late for me to change or we're almost have this idea that it's impossible for us to have the same financial success as someone else because of whatever circumstance. So it's so helpful. And something that you talk about a lot, obviously we're in our twenties. There are a lot of people, our friends included that have student loans or credit card debt and all of that. And to hear you being able to pay off $36,000 of debt in 18 months is incredibly inspiring. So what would you say are your top tips and how you were able to do that? And what would you say to someone that sees their student loans and is like, okay, I'm never going to be able to have financial freedom? For sure. So, um, and, and honestly, I felt that way too. Like I can remember, so I went into college, I signed like the papers to take out the debt, but I had no idea how much it was. Like, I remember the counselors being like, yeah, we're going to sit down and talk about it. And I was like, Same. can I just sign it? <laughs> I was like, I literally, I don't care. Can I just like sign it? Because again, I, I was so uncomfortable to talk about money. It made me so uncomfortable. The fact that they were going to tell me how much debt I was in that I was like, literally forget it. Like, I don't care. Don't want to know. And, um, so I signed the papers, had no clue literally until my junior year is when I had this like breakdown where I was like, "Ah, I need to know. So I worked in the mailroom. I think I made like $6 and 25 cents an hour now sitting in there, um, like, you know, working and there wasn't a customer and whatever. And so I was like, huh, I'm going to like figure out how much debt I'm in. And so I called my mom. I'm like, mom, how much debt am I in? And she was like, I like, you'll have to look it up because it's grown. And I'm like, what do you mean it's grown? She's like, well, yeah, like the interest has already started. I'm like, what do you mean? And so she's like, um, you know, here, like log into this, to Navient. My loans were through Navient. Like, okay. And so I'm like logging in. I'd like reset my password, do all these things. And I log in 
And I'm like, okay, I got in, like, I got to go hang up the phone. I get in and I click and I see that I, so I had like a $10,000 ish car loan. So it was like $26,000 in loans. And I see the $26,000. I literally X out of it, sprint to the bathroom, shut the door in the stall and just start bawling. Because to me, as someone who's literally making $6 and 25 cents an hour, I pull up my phone calculator. Yeah. Yeah. I pulled up my phone calculator and I divided $26,000 by $6.25 to figure out how many hours I would have to work to pay that off. And it was a lot, just heads up, it was a lot. And I just sat there and bawled. And I was like, at this point, I had been like actively doing things to um, like get better with finance. I'd been doing all this learning and I was like feeling some motivation. Like I was like, I can do this, all this stuff. And to me, $26,000, that could have been a million that literally could have been a million dollars. Like it felt so heavy. I immediately, my thoughts were like, I'm going to be in debt forever. I will literally always be broke. I will never like make anything of myself. I will always struggle with money. Like that is what I thought. And I'm sure there are people listening who are like, oh, well easy for her. I'm in a hundred thousand dollars of debt or like all this. And it's like, it doesn't, the number one thing I've learned from coaching for the past three years is that your number doesn't matter how it feels to you is the same way it feels to somebody else. It doesn't matter what that number is. And so, um, just to remember, like, I think that was the biggest thing is like, I was so defeated and to, I had to like, let myself just like sit in that pity for a little bit. And then after that, I was like, okay, how am I going to start? Right. How am I going to start? And Um, One of the big things I tell my clients, especially if they're feeling overwhelmed is to break it down. So like of those $26,000 of loans, I had probably like eight loans. So like there was a loan that was like $500. There's a loan that was like 3000 and like all the the stuff. And so I was like, okay, if I just tackled the $500 loan, sure. Would it take me literally months to do that? Because I was making $6.25. Yes. But I just focus on that. I forgot about the rest of the 20, whatever thousand. And I just focus on $500 because to me, I could do $500. Yeah. I could not do the 26,000, but I could do 500. And that's all I focus on. That's all I thought about. That's all, you know, that I was like programmed into was like, because I, and then I felt powerful again. Like I felt capable again, but it was so defeating to look at that big thing. And so if you're feeling that focus on a smaller amount, and even if your loans aren't broken up, just say, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars of my student loans. And that's all you focus on is paying a thousand dollars and then hit that benchmark, then move on to the next thousand, then move on to the next thousand and keep going in that capacity. Um, because again, it can feel like really defeating to do it that way. The other thing I'll say that, um, you know, one of the big things that really helped me, which I am a huge advocate for, for everyone, women, especially because women statistically do not do this as much is, um, I negotiated my job. When I got out of college, I landed like a corporate job and I negotiated heavily. I negotiated heavily and I negotiated relocation and a sign-on bonus. And so that helped me a ton in like being able to just like put, a significant amount towards debt. And I remember like, I think I was like a year and a half into my job. And I had this, and this girl who she was two positions ahead of me. So if I would have gotten like two promotions, I would be like where she was. Mm -hmm. We were talking one day and, um, I was helping a different friend of mine from home negotiate her salary. And and so I just happened to bring it up and she was like, wait, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, oh yeah. And she's like, 
wait, why should you do that? I'm like, well, because then you're at a huge disadvantage to other people. And she was like, well, what do you get paid? And I told her, and I was making more than her. And I, she had started like three years before me. She was two positions ahead of me, but my salary was more because I negotiated and she didn't. And she was just like, so defeated. And I'm like, of course you're defeated. Of course you are. That's so frustrating. Um, so that, but anyway, that was like a big thing that catapulted me, um, into the journey and, and ahead. Um, and then other than that, like it, it, I, it was the basics. It was creating a plan of like where I want my money to go, leaving room for fun. Because again, like one of the biggest things, if, if you're restricting yourself and being like, I can't spend and like, I need to spend less, I need to spend less. And so you're miserable the entire time you're paying off debt. Like who cares if it would have taken me 19 months if I would have, uh, or like, l- let's reverse this. Who cares if I would have gotten it, debt, become debt-free a month earlier and done it in 17 months by sacrificing more? Who cares? Like, what what difference does that make? Like, you have to live your life still. Literally, who cares? But because I had... I, I allowed myself to spend. I allowed myself to take vacations. Sure, it took me an extra month. Yeah. Who, literally, who cares? Like, I would rather look back on that period of 18 months, knowing that I still enjoyed my life rather yeah. than looking back on a period of time. I mean, how old was I? So I was 20 to like 20, like 20. Well, I guess I act like 20, almost 22, basically. Yeah. That is such a fun time in your life. If oh. I would have sacrificed my senior year of college mm. and then my first year outside of college, hell no, like absolutely not. That's just like, but so many people do that. And so again, one of the things I encourage there, there are times where the homework I give my clients is you need to go buy Starbucks and feel good about it. Because every time she goes to get Starbucks, she shames herself of like, I shouldn't be spending this. This should go to my debt. I I wouldn't have, I'm so irresponsible. Why can't I just give this up? Why can't I do this? And I say, no, no, no. We do not buy Starbucks and then get mad at ourselves. We do not get our nails done and then get mad at ourselves. When we choose, we, we are powerful women who trust our financial decisions. So if I choose to get Starbucks, I'm going to fully enjoy it. I'm going to be so grateful. I'm going to be so happy that I get to choose how to spend my money. And simultaneously, I'm going to go, whatever the goal is, pay off the credit card debt, um, pay off the student loans, like whatever that is, you get to do both. There's not this like one way thing where it's like you either get to be able to spend or you have to know, um, you have to be able to have both because what I see all the time is people who come to me and be like, I sacrifice everything to become debt-free. And I told myself, I will be able to get Starbucks when I'm debt-free. I'll be able to take the vacation. And now I'm debt-free and I'm miserable. And I still shame myself. And I still feel guilty when I spend. And I still feel this because it has, it's deeper than money. Like no, you know, like no pun intended. It has nothing to do with the purchase. It's about the shame and guilt that you are adding to the purchase. And that doesn't change whether or not you have debt. And so it's so important that we also focus on our relationship with money on our journey to whatever strategic goal that we have. Wow. My goodness. That was unbelievably powerful from the very beginning to the last sentence from, I just, I think there are going to be so many people who listen. And while you were painting that picture of yourself, just like signing away, yeah, sure. I'll take these loans. Um, it just really put me back in the place where I did the same thing. I had no idea what I was agreeing to. And, you know, when I got out of college, I remember feeling, and I still feel to this day, often I'm like, 
damn, I thought I was investing in myself and investing in a degree that I don't use today. Um, and here I go, like coming out of college and I'm like starting off where it felt like I was starting off at a negative, you know? Um, and then now being in our twenties and stuff, I feel like there are all these expectations, especially as you creep towards your, um, the second half of your twenties where these expectations of these milestones and stuff. And it's like, how the heck am I supposed to pay off my loans and, you know, put a down payment on a house and do all these crazy things. And it feels very overwhelming, but the way you broke it down, um, makes so much sense. I think gives people a lot of hope that it's not only possible, but that you don't have to choose. We talk so much on this podcast about existing in the and and existing in the gray and that you don't have to be this or that, that you can find a happy middle that works for you and knowing that it's going to be different than the person next to you and that that's okay. So, um, for someone that is preparing for these big milestones and is maybe intimidated by everything that's to come, what would be like a piece of advice that you would give them in, you know, navigating all, I guess, credit card debt, student loans, all the things. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that when it comes to comparing ourselves with others, a lot of times we lose focus on what we want. So all the lot of clients who this happens like every round of um, Wealth Accelerator, our program, where I'll have clients who are like, I just like one of my, a girl that I went to high school with, she just bought a house. I feel like I'm so behind. So I'm like, oh, cool. Do you want a house right now? And she's like, well, no. And I'm like, then why do you care? Like, why, why do you care what she's doing? You don't want that. And so often from media or from social media or from movies or whatever, like, we are taught you need to have these things, but that's literally not what we want. And so anytime you're feeling this like pressure of, oh my God, I need to be already having a house or already be married or already do this or whatever, always come back to this place of what do I want? What do I desire? And also similarly on social media, let's say you do see someone who bought the house and you do want that and you're jealous a lot of times jealousy is talked about as this like negative thing of like, don't be jealous. Blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. Jealousy is really cool. Jealousy allows you to identify what you desire. That's awesome. That clarity is so helpful. Anytime I'm jealous, I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't realize I wanted that so badly. And then I'll write that down. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to free up those negative feelings towards someone. I'm not jealous of her. I am jealous because I'm feeling things that I desire what she already has. And I want that for myself. So it allows me to free up any like weird energetic connections and instead focus on like, hell yeah, I really want this. How can I go and get this? How can I focus on this? And so, um, whatever you're feeling, whatever those pressures are, one identify, are those things you actually want or those things you've been taught to want And then number two, if you're feeling jealous or whatever, identify those feelings as desires and then you can work towards them. And then you can work toward um, setting those goals strategically and work towards those goals from an energetic perspective of like, how can I be a match for, you know, let's say I'm, I'm jealous of like her income level or her business. How can I be ready for that? How can I be ready for that up level? And what are the things that I need to do in myself so I'm ready for that? Beautiful piece of advice, Chloe. Thank you so, so much. And we talk about that so much on this podcast about, you know, getting, getting 
to your authentic self and really deciding like, what do you really want? What's really going to make you happy in terms of your life, your career, your relationship, your friendships, whatever it might be that you really want not what you've been taught to want or been told you should want or what someone else is doing or that person on Instagram is doing. And I just think we have been talking about that so much on this show and learning that so much through our 20s and money and finances should be included in that conversation that we're having with ourselves. And I mean, we could talk to you for like ever, 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 Chloe. Like, I feel like I've learned so much in this hour, but we have to let you go because I'm sure you're busy. But before we do, two little last questions for you we want to know about what it's like to work with you like pimp out your programs tell us about your podcast what can people expect from you because I've I know that everyone's going to be like I need more Chloe after we hear yeah so like, tell us about your programs tell us about everything for sure so um one of the things that I love like one of our missions is to make financial literacy accessible and so um, if you're just ready to like learn some stuff, we have so many free resources. Again, I mentioned we have a thousand dollar challenge. Um, that's literally a free three day challenge. Um, we have a podcast that drops every Monday where we just talk about financial literacy. Um, we have a blog, we have so many things. We're on every social media. You can just search deeper than money. And, um, so if you're looking for resources, we likely have them. Um, so for like content stuff, that's where I would have. If you're like, listen, I love the free content, but I don't want to just like search through stuff. I want to like dive in and transform my finances. We do have higher level programs. My absolute baby is called Wealth Accelerator. It's a 12 week transformational program. And that's really where we match the education piece with the, Hey, here's how to actually implement piece with the live coaching. And so you're going to call with me, with our co-coach, um, literally saying like, Hey, Brenda, okay. What are you struggling with? Okay. This, this, and this. Okay, cool. How can we tailor this to you answering questions, getting that live support? Um, and so that is like literally my, my, my love child, my absolute baby. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I tell people is that our coaching doesn't just fix your bank account. It changes your life. Like that's what we're here to do. And money is just the tool that we use to help empower women in every other aspect of, of their lives. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I'm sure everyone's going to be flocking to it. Uh, but Chloe, we have our last question for you. We ask this to all our guests. This could be about money or it could be about just life in general. Has there been any resources in your life that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far? It could be a book, a podcast, a person. Oh my God. Um, I, I have like the most resources. Um, I, I talk about that all the time, especially when people are like comparing their finance journey, right? They're like, but you did it in 18 months. And it's like, you can't compare outcomes without comparing resources. Right. I've been so blessed in my life. I, I have so much privilege. Um, and I also had so many opportunities. And so, um, oh my gosh, like where to start. <laughs> I want to like show you guys my bookshelf. It is currently literally overflowing with so many different books and resources. It's like, it's, it's so crazy. Um, honestly, I, I think my biggest recommendation, like, I, I don't know if I would say there's like one book or like one thing that just like did it for me. The biggest thing that I would say is advocate for yourself. Like if I'm stuck on something, I Google it. 
If I'm stuck on something, I go and watch a million YouTube videos on it, or I buy a course on it, or I hire a mentor who is an expert in that. But like, I do not let not knowing stop me from things. And the other thing I'll say when it comes to like, I mean, this is kind of like resources or whatever, is that I am not afraid to ask dumb questions. And I think that in itself is like the biggest resource. If I'm in a conversation with friends or whatever, and they say something that I don't know what they're talking about, I will literally say, wait, what are you talking about? What yeah. does that mean? I, I need to know that. Explain that to me. And so that is one of the biggest things that I can recommend is advocate for yourself, ask the questions and find whatever resources you need because your resources are out there. My goodness. That's incredible. Genuinely, I feel like we it aligns so much with what we talk about on the podcast here because we, when we're vulnerable like that, I think we're so afraid to be wrong or to embarrass ourselves or whatever. So to just own it and to get the knowledge from whoever it is that is, you know, sharing it with you um, and seeking those resources. I think so often we really start to believe like that we just are the way that we are. And when we start to realize that we can literally create the life that we want for ourselves, whether it's in the way that we live, the way that we show up or the way that we manage our money and create more in turn. Um, it's, it's so incredible. So thank you so much, Chloe. We could literally keep you for 15 more hours, but your heart, your energy, your wisdom, like we are deeply inspired and are definitely going to be talking more finances after you, you hop off. <laughs> so Hell yes. I love it. Talk about all the money. Like the, the best thing you can do is to continue to have these conversations even if you guys don't know, like, even if it's two people who are like, neither one of us are experts, like talk about it because you'll bounce ideas back and forth. And then you can take that and go and learn and like, learn from each other, learn from mistakes, learn from like whoever. But like, that is the biggest thing is just advocating for continuing to grow your financial knowledge. Thank you so much. This was literally incredible. (laughs) Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. everyone go follow chloe deeper than money check out what she's doing follow her podcast chloe thank you so so much for your time your wisdom your energy this has been this has been fun and i didn't think that money could be so fun it's fun hell yeah it is (laughs) goodbye everybody bye everyone thanks for listening to roaring 20s podcast be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe you're never alone Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.